0: to pray that Kevin recovers uh, from uh, his uh, malady, current malady, and praying that God continues to provide for us. But it's a wonderful thing to get here on Sunday morning and for somebody to say, oh yeah, I can lead the choir, um, since the person that normally is doing it is not feeling well. My name is uh, Drew Smith. I welcome uh, you here and those that are online. I get to be the pastor here at uh, College Hill uh, Presbyterian Church and we're in this Lenten journey looking at the words of Jesus and today particularly uh, we'll be looking at Jesus last words, which actually is is a prayer that he gives. It's often called the high priestly prayer or Jesus farewell prayer. And, And as I I thought about uh, that, you know, that just the the weight of when you know it's your last action before you're going to be arrested and then hung on a cross within 24 hours. There's going to be a weight to what you're saying, and that's what's happening with with Jesus. I was remembering uh, when actually a, a member here was literally on his deathbed uh, many of you would know bill stolfang and he had a little bit of time under hospice and he knew that he was about to die and bill unique personality he uh, remember talking with him um, one day as he's in his bed the bed that he'll die in and he's like yeah you know i uh, i knew i I was going to a day and because he was donating his body to science he goes i'm going to medical school And, uh, and that was, that was Bill, but he also got everything else in line. You know, he, all the passwords, all the account keys, all the accounts, you know, and and all that information. And during, during that week, he was getting those things for this and spending time with his, his loved ones and even was the chair of like the Aiken, high school reunion committee and he made sure to get that file to the person whoever would would do that but you know when you have that gift of that kind of time of knowing then it really focuses you on getting it all passed down and that's what we have here with jesus and it i think it's significant that that jesus act is praying that, that he's engaging with the Father. He's talking with the Father. And that reminded me of something that I've read recently about prayer. That to be committed to prayer, we don't need discipline. We need dependence. And that, that was a, open, that was a real freeing thing for me. That now it's not about being disciplined to pray. It's about, man, and then by default, I'll be pray. And that's what we see in Jesus here, that there's just such a dependence upon the Father that his last act is to pray. In, in light of that, um, I asked one of the growth groups or small groups that get together to engage each week around what we talk about on Sunday and, and share their lives with each other and apply it. One of the uh, small, one of the growth groups took on a project, Say, hey, we want to provide opportunities of prayer. Four people in the church. So Bart, uh, Sauer is a part of that group. Come and just share with us just a little bit how your group came to that and what you're going to be doing. Yeah, grab that one. Well,
1: thank you. Thank you, Drew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're green. Thank you, Drew. There we go. All right. Good to see you all. I want to share a couple things that are where I expected something good, but it ended up being great. And um, one was just joining a growth group. I thought, you know, it'd be a good thing for me to be a part of a growth group, but I've just been really blessed by being a part of the group that I'm in. And so I really appreciate each of those people that are in there with me. Uh, About three weeks ago, our growth group hosted a, uh, what we called a prayer and healing gathering. It was three weeks ago here in the sanctuary. We had stations of four chairs set up at different places so that when people came in, they could uh, meet with people from our small group and other volunteers who had come in so that they could be prayed for and perhaps anointed with oil. And it was a something I expected to be good, but it was great. And, um, and it really was birthed out of just an idea in our growth group where somebody had said, hey, we used to have these prayer gatherings or prayer services years ago here. And that had come up a couple, three times. And finally at the meeting I said, well, why don't we host that? So I presented that to Drew. Drew thought, that's a great idea. I think he said, it really blesses me to hear you say that. So then we did it, like I said, three weeks ago. We're going to do it again. We're going to host another prayer gathering on April 30th here in the sanctuary at 2 o'clock. And I invite you to participate and see if it, you'll also see that it's a great event and to... To God be the glory in that. Thanks, Bart.
0: And thank you to your growth group for leading that. And invite all of you to participate in um, growth groups uh, that uh, provide that kind of... That can, you might think they're good and end up being great. Thanks. It was wonderful for me to get to participate in that as well. I just got to show up and have people pray for me, didn't have to lead, so it was a wonderful uh, opportunity of doing that. Even though one of my team didn't win the March Madness, uh, was one of the things we prayed for, but you know, you don't get everything. Let's, uh, as we jump into Jesus' prayer, let's, uh, let's pray. Almighty God, we do thank you for your written word. We thank you as it speaks to us of your truth and leads us into the fullness of life. So now, open our minds, our heart, our soul to to hear from you. And what you give such value to that is your, since your farewell prayer. Help us to, to hear, receive, and then follow. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right. Our passage is in the Gospel of John today. John 17. And this, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just part of the prayer. And this is the, the prayer in the Mount of Olives where just before the, Jesus is going to be arrested. Almost after he says amen. And then he's, he's headed to trial and then to the cross um, the, the next day. And this, I'm going to start in the middle of verse 11 and to 23 I won't read the whole thing but you're certainly free to read the whole thing at another another time and uh explore that uh, with others in your growth group or um uh, with others around you at uh, um after uh, we discuss it some here together John 17 the middle of verse 11 hear the word of the lord Holy Father keep them in your name "...which you've given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I've guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves." I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of... take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not the of... world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth as you sent me into the world. So I've sent them into the world and for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me this is the word of the lord thanks be to god now uh Rather challenging word to follow. John has this tendency as he's telling us the stories of of Jesus. A lot of this, I'm in you, you're in me, they're in us. It can be hard to to follow. So let's unpack this prayer of Jesus a little bit. The the first thing that I want you to see, the first thing I think that, that Jesus mentions here is he's talking about the disciples. He's talking about the people that are around him that he can see. He's saying, Lord, keep them faithful. Keep them faithful to you. Keep them, he says, literally, keep them in your name. Uh, now, uh, when we use that, that term to be kept in your name, like we, we pray in Jesus' name, uh, that it, it's not that we're, those are magic words like the Christian abracadabra. If I just say in your name, then somehow that seals the prayer. No, that's saying we're we're praying in our with our identity in Jesus. We're we're praying in His power. We're we're praying to Him according to His character. So when He says, uh, when Jesus says here, keep these disciples in your name. Uh, I want you to. God, you need to keep them so that they are continuing to live according to your character and your power. They are, they are identifying with you as their Lord, as their leader in all things that they do. That's what it means to keep them in your name. It's sort of like, you know, if a, you've heard a parent tell a child. Now, remember, go out there. You represent the Smiths. You're, you represent the family. You know, you, you, we we we, SNS, we do it this way. So go represent us wherever you are. That's sort of what Jesus is saying. I mean, he, he's saying in here, Father, I'm giving them to you. They've been with me. I'm leaving. I'm about to die and leaving them. So you need to keep them in your name. He even says in there, you know, we that we had 12, we lost one. Uh, Judas, he's betrayed me. He, he didn't stay, but keep these 11 in your name. Now, uh, verse, verse 14 uh, in here it captures also a little more detail of what it means to keep them in your, your name. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. So when he says, I've given them your word, you know, that that's hearkening back to the 10 commandments uh, back when God gave Moses the 10 commandments in actuality in Hebrew, what it says is these are the 10 words of God. That's a literal translation of those passages. And so, so Jesus is saying here, I've given them the, the commands of God today so, so that they will walk in them. But those commands are not like the commands of this world. The, the, the ways of Jesus, the ways of God's kingdom are not like the ways of our societies and cultures uh, throughout history. I mean, Jesus, we know all the things that Jesus told us to do. We're to be merciful like our Heavenly Father is merciful. He calls us to forgive and to forgive 70 times, 7 times whoever has wronged us. Jesus says, if you want to be the greatest, you've got to be a servant. If you want to, the greatest commandment, and we've heard this over and over, is to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves, which I've said over and over, that means i got to care about what's in their refrigerator as much as I do what's in mine. I've got to care about their children as much as I do for mine, if I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. That's crazy stuff. Yet Jesus takes it even a step further. says we don't just love God, we don't just love our neighbor, we love our enemies. We we want to to do good for those who are trying to hurt us. That's upside down inside out, as my middle school football coach said, cattywampus. But that's what the ways of Jesus. So you can see why Jesus is is feeling the pressure here, Lord. That. that Father, they're going to go the, the way that I go. And, and that's going to be really difficult to follow your ways because the ways of the world are different than the ways of your kingdom. I mean, a day is coming. A day is coming. We believe that Jesus will return. And when he returns, we'll have a new heaven and a new earth. And in that new heaven and new earth, everything will be in accordance with the kingdom of God. It will be perfectly in alignment with God's plan. That means there will be no bombs, no bullets, no guns, no prisons, no politicians. (laughs) None of those things. Can you even fathom that? And yet that's the kingdom that Jesus is saying w- the, these disciples are supposed to live into that. That's how drastically different the way of Jesus is from the ways of the world. Now, verse, verse 15, he, he tells them, now, while, but I want you to keep them in the world. Verse 15, I do not ask that you would take them out of the world, but that you'd keep them from the evil one. Jesus, he, he now introduces not only there's the ways of the world that will go against the ways of the kingdom, but there's also spiritual powers that are at work, opposing the ways of God. So so Jesus sees clearly, here's all the opposition. Now, I'm, I'm not an apologist for the devil. I'm an apologist for Jesus. I will you know try to convince anyone of the reality. There's a devil. There's spiritual powers that are at work opposing the ways of God. Uh, but if that's hard for for you to, to, to grasp or that there's a devil, you're not ready to believe in that, that's okay. Just keep believing in Jesus. And then we'll... we'll see what, but know this. What Jesus teaches is there are the ways of the world, the ways of our society, the, the ways that we humans do things that, that lead to things like bombs, bullets, and prisons. And there, there's also that they're opposing the ways of God. And there's also spiritual powers that are opposing the ways of God. So that's why there's so much import and value to what Jesus is giving here. Keep them faithful. Uh, I, I get here period on Sundays sort of early and I'll walk through these spaces and pray. And um, pray for a whole bunch of different things. And one this morning even, I was praying and sort, sort of felt this movement uh, within me to say, well, would you pray for a few people that are committed to me or would you want a lot of people? Can I have both? Can I, can, can I have a lot of people that are committed to you? Well, now which which would you pray for? And that's a... That's where me, that's that's uh, success according to the world means a lot of people. But success according to Jesus means are are people committed to following me? I mean, he only had 12 and he lost one. I mean, he's praying for 11 there. Those those are the, the kinds of challenges, at least for me, in terms of saying what's the way of Jesus, what's the way of the world, how's the way the world can influence me So there's these oppositions that we need to be aware of within us and outside of us and even spiritual powers. And so Jesus is praying for that. Keep them faithful. Then then verse 17, the next prayer that he makes where he asks God for something specifically is in verse 17. Where he says, sanctify them. And he says, sanctify them in order to send our people into the mess. He says, keep them faithful. And now he says, now send these people into the mess of this world. Send them in there. Um, now, to sanctify them. See, what Jesus does here is he flips this term. To sanctify something is to, to consecrate it, to make it holy. Uh, and uh, often we use sanctification as this, the process in which we are being transformed. being more, Becoming more and more like Jesus. Well, often, particularly in the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, the, the sanctify something would be to set it aside to be used in the temple. So you sanctify the priests and they're going to be in the temple. You sanctify all the tools that are used and the tables and the sacrificial elements that you're going to use. in the, the You sanctify the, the lamps that are going to be in the temple. Because that's where God is and, and you want to sanctify them. You want to separate them from the world. You put them in the temple so that they can be with God where God is pure. And so they're they're made pure. So they can then be in the presence of God in the temple. Well, Jesus flips the script here. He says, I want to sanctify them so that then they can be sent not into the temple, but be the temple in the world. The, these 11, now you need to send out there. Where, where they will be sharing this good news of Jesus' life, death, and the power of His resurrection. And the forgiveness that He, that he brings. Uh, verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Now... Thinking specifically about the disciples at that particular time, that's extremely dangerous. I mean, that's where Jesus was. That's what Jesus was doing. He was in the world. He was sharing the ways of the kingdom of God. He was healing people. He was feeding thousands. He was raising the dead. He was offering God's forgiveness. And look where it got him. And so these disciples are going to be in exactly that kind of situation, doing the same things, saying the same things that Jesus said. So you really get a sense of just how much Jesus is saying, keep them, protect them, sanctify them, send them out. And we know they were, we are all the result of their ministry. I mean, they were the 11 that were then sent out. And now they told others who told others and it built and built until... Where we are today. But ultimately. Of those eleven. Ten were martyred. For the faith. And one. John. Who wrote this account of. Jesus final prayer. Was exiled to the island of Patmos. Where he lived secluded. Till his his death. But what, what this shows is that. Jesus in this early prayer. For the disciples. He doesn't want them to be in a holy huddle. He doesn't want them to, to be huddled behind a stained glass. He wants them living in the midst, sprinkling like salt, he says, shining in little ways like light, wherever we might go. not being influenced by the world, but being influencers for his love, for his goodness and his beauty. So the question for us and for you, for me, and this this part of the passage, how has Jesus sent you? I mean, he sent you, he, he's called you, he sent you, and what and you don't have to go anywhere. How's he sent you in the places you are, whether it's in your family, it's whatever, with children, with parents, with aunts, uncles, nephews, grands, great grands? How has he sent you there to, to be salt and light how, as a coworker, as an employer, an employee, as a student, as a neighbor, as a community member? How has he sent you? Do you, do you recognize that sentness to simply again be salt and light in those places? So he, he prays, like, keep them and now send them. And then finally, he says, unify Unify them. Unify our people just like us. Here, verse 20 and 21. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So you see, now he's moved from the disciples then, those 11, to us. And everybody in between and everybody beyond. That they may all be one, just as you Father are in me and I in you that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me it's a tall order a tall order that he's praying for now keep them, send them unify them because there's lots of things that we humans can disagree about I mean here here in Cincinnati we can't even agree about ice cream and chili let alone politics, economic systems, music preferences, a variety of theological points. But the good news here is that our unity is secure because it's based on the unity of God. What Jesus says, we are one, let them be one. As he's talking to, I am in you, you are in me, they are in us. So our, our unity, our ultimate unity has been accomplished in Jesus. This is our identity. This is our true family in Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, the apostle Paul tells us, On the cross, Jesus, in his death, he destroyed all the dividing walls that we put up between us. He destroyed them. And the greatest one then was. That was a great dividing wall that Jesus destroyed. And so too has every other dividing wall. Because our common identity. If we. For those who trust and follow Jesus. Is in him. And we are united in the power of God. And do and you catch what what he says here? That is. This unity that we're to have in Him that we work on again—that's—it's not easy. It's hard work to be un- to to bake all those things that we value that are really important, that we put them second behind our identity in Jesus. But Jesus recognizes this is so valuable because this is how the world knows that God loves them. It's Jesus in His last prayer. It's His evangelistic program. Verse 23, the last verse that I, that I read. The glory that you have given me, I've given to them that they may be one as we are one. I'm sorry, that was 22. Here's 23. I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me And loved them even as you loved me. So that the world may know that you love them. That's the influence and power of our unity in Jesus. That trumps our differences about America, about race, about economics, about culture, about politicians. About biblical interpretations of Holy Spirit and baptism. If we have the same commitment to Jesus, then that is our unity. So the the challenge for us is obvious, isn't it? We continue, we continue to explore our differences on all these other important secondary things under Jesus. And we make those commitments, submit to our commitment to Jesus together. I was talking with Gene uh, Schneider, you know, who's the, the director of Living Hope Counseling Services uh, just this week, saying, all right, we need to be thinking about preparing for this November by teaching listening. How do we truly listen to one another? How do we truly honor one another, even if we might disagree with them directly and totally? How do we listen and honor to one another? Uh, We need to practice that in order to honor Jesus and practice living into the unity that we have in Jesus. So no decisions yet, but planting seeds, be eyes and ears open for some fun things we might do this summer and fall. To be attentive to our differences, but celebrate and embrace our unity in Jesus. Because, in the end, as you read Jesus' prayer, this our unity shows god 's glory and god 's love it 's how we witness to god 's glory the power of the cross is greater than anything else that could possibly unite us. It demonstrates his glory and it demonstrates his tremendous love because there's a, as much as there are differences between us. The difference between God's purity and our purity is far more. And the cross has bridged that gap. Certainly, the cross can bridge the gaps that we have with one another. This is Jesus' deepest prayer. That we would be faithful. That we would stay committed uh, to walking in His ways. And that we'd be unified on this journey. May that be our prayer too. It really, really does mirror the Lord's prayer. You know, thy, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because all these things, us being faithful to God, us obeying His, his commands and living according to the ways of the kingdom and our, our unity, well, they're done in heaven. They, they will be natural expressions of who we are when we're with God. And so that's what we're seeking to live and i think that's what jesus was praying with a little more specificity here let's pray together uh, almighty god we thank you again for jesus we thank you for his his passion uh, his, his passion for you that he demonstrated and his willingness to to suffer on our behalf so that we would be united with you and with one another and we we marvel and we consider him We rejoice in his beauty, his goodness, his humility, his willing to suffer for what is good. Now, uh, Lord, we want to receive him and live into him and the fullness of him. So take us as a community. Continue to, to form us more and more into his character. We, we pray along with, with him that you'd help us to be faithful to you. You'd continue to, to send us out to, to be witnesses to you. That we, we live according to the ways of your kingdom. And that you would continue to empower us and direct us in the, the hard, hard work of following you. In the midst of all the opposition and, and, and staying unified in, in you. Lord, we, we ask for your work in and through us. And Almighty God, we thank you that we can come before you and, and pray for different concerns and needs of one another. Uh, we pray for many who are battling health issues. We pray your healing hand upon them, Lord. We, we pray particularly for Cheryl Merihue, Pray particularly for Tom Brinkman, uh, that you would strengthen them, Jerry Federley. That you would walk with them in these challenging times and with their families and, and friends and that Folks would experience that peace that's beyond understanding. We, we lift up to you as well, the, the Shearing family, the, uh, Mary Jane and the kids, grandkids and great-grandkids and the death of, of Jack Shearing. We pray as well for um, Ramona and James Wright and the death of their son, Antonio. We, we, we pray for those families, your, your peace upon them, that they would, they would know the sure and certain hope of the resurrection, even the time of this loss. And, uh, Almighty God, we also take this time and we lift up to you uh, Jennifer Cronk, who's the uh, assistant pastor here of uh, children and families. And in the next couple of weeks, she moves and takes a new position in uh, Columbus. We pray your blessing upon her. We, we thank you. We rejoice in, in her and the, your the many gifts and talents and abilities and uh, we uh, that we've had an opportunity to in, enjoy and we we ask your anointing for and just the that that her move to Columbus into our sister church Bethel uh, Presbyterian Church there pray your blessing upon them and that uh, your uh, indeed your your blessing would be upon them your, your kingdom would would flourish um, in. There as well. Uh, we thank you uh, for the, the work that you do of raising up uh, leaders and directing us uh, in a, accordance with your, your will to, to carry out your, your purposes. May we continue to be faithful. May you continue to strengthen us, to send us out, to be uh, your witnesses of your ways of living in the midst of the world and continue to draw us together in you. All these things we pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.